Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Lucy Chris is somebody who we, 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 we are very proud to be associated with here on the at the virtual university she's been with us quite a few times and i trust that tonight she will be a blessing to you lucy welcome to springboard once again thank you very much good evening and good evening to all the listeners as well always good to see you very very good to see you too wonderful 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 so this discussion is about developing leaders around you i'm sure i'm sure you like the topic i love it (laughs) (laughs) it's a very interesting discussion because you find that um, in public fora, people say, yeah, that's the way to go. When you talk to them in private, they are like, are these people you are developing not coming to take your job? We'll be finding out, are they a threat or they are a compliment to every great leader? How important is a theme? And, and in this particular context, the, festi- the, the, the theme of succession planning, how critical is it at a, at a time like this? Well, I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you, we're not going to be able to finish dissecting it tonight. So I hope we can we'll fully dissect it um, um, on the 17th of August. It's hugely important. Part of what we see around us that we want to transform is as a result of inadequate succession planning in many ways. I always like to give people a really simple example. I digress a little bit because... It's not directly from a business, but um, I think most people will understand the context. So I always give the example of the village where my mother was born and where, where she grew up. And the chief of the village was my great-grandfather. He was the first settler there. And when you hear stories of when he was the leader of that village, they talk about prosperity and how everything, um, you know, people did better in their lives. And the size of the village, I, I couldn't imagine it now. Uh, fast forward many decades, I didn't, you know, he wasn't alive when I was born, but in my lifetime, um, the, the, the village had a chief who unfortunately was a poor leader. And there's one big difference between the two of them. Every village has, has its system of taxation, right? You need to generate a revenue to manage the village. Um, and in my great grandfather's um, case, you brought a portion of your farmland to the village kitty. In this other chief's um, case, it was the same thing. However, this time, he and his wife decided that they would choose the best part of your farm, a third of your farm, the best part, into the kitty, and then not use it to develop the village right. for themselves. What subsequently happened is that all the young men have left. Mm. It's like running a company, right? If you don't run it well, they'll leave you. Um, and that poor leader has now le- led to a village that is almost a ghost town. It has a few people still hanging around. And all the young men, it's also about going to an urban area. They've gone to other villages where at least they can, you know, practice their, their farming and feel that they can, uh, you know, make pr- progress. So... Succession planning, we should not underestimate if you get a wrong successor, all the work that has gone before can completely be unraveled. One of the interesting things that has come up as a result of this discussion is that succession planning goes beyond looking for an ultimate leader to replace the overall boss, as it were, but building capacity at each level to ensure that the company never becomes vulnerable as a result of one person being unavailable for any reason, either 
because they even have an assignment outside the jurisdiction for a year, sabbatical, whatever, illness or whatever. But building capacity at all levels to ensure that a company has strength in depth or a good bench to be able to hold its own. What do you think of that? It's, it's, it's extremely important and in all the good places I've worked, currently at Airtel also, it has to be deliberate. So we right. actually take the time to deliberately look at people and look at not only who can be their immediate successor, but actually who is a successor further down the line. So for any given role, you need to define if Lucy isn't here today, who can do it? If so-and-so isn't there, who can do it? But actually also... Who is a possible success in the next two years? Who could do it in three? And what do we need to do between now and that two-year horizon to get them ready? So you identify, but also you identify not just the person, but you identify the gaps or the, the developmental needs of the person, and you actively work towards it. So you ensure that as a pyramid of an organization, there's, there are always people coming through to fill the next level up from them. That's how you start to assure that the uh, future of your um, company, because the company is ultimately run by the people. Right. You talk about ensuring the future of the company, but one thing that also comes up is that sometimes the problem is right at the beginning. If you get the wrong people in, you are you are toast, as I say. I mean, right at the inception, if you don't get the right people in. The mentality is different. The passion is not there. So you find that there's there's often complaints from CEOs and leaders about short-term orientation, a, 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 a reward-oriented generation of people who don't think about how they can build, how they can add value. How do you ensure that at the point of recruitment you get the right people into the business to secure the future? I think the business internally needs to be very clear on its vision and purpose, what mm-hmm. you exist for. And that then ten, that then flows into all your activities, including recruitment. So at that point of recruitment, you're not just recruiting for um, qualifications and experience. You also, you also should be recruiting for fit. Is this the kind of person who can fit in with the organization and the vision and the plan for this organization? It's really important that... Um, people come into organization with the organizations with a degree of self-motivation. And you, the person being recruited, if you're not motivated for that particular company, it also should come across. So your individual motivation is key. The company has to be very clear on its purpose and what it exists for. And then there's this sort of coming together of motivation and commitment to an idea that is clearly communicated in in, in the company. Now, if people feel that the organization has a future, they're more likely to reorient themselves towards that future. But that requires communication. If people can't see a future, they, they because no one told them, no one shared it with them, they will also tend to then think about their own selves and what they can protect within their space because they can't see a big picture. 80% of people who are hired look to the company for some investment in them, some development, some training. 80% of people expect that, 4 out of 5 people expect that when the company hires them, value is added to them. You people literally complain and say, listen, everything I'm using is what I knew before I came. Nothing has been added to me. How do you ensure that when people are brought in, they really are groomed, mentored, prepared for the roles that you want them to play? Sometimes you find that people expect something from people without preparing them for these roles. How do we groom, mentor, ensure that people are prepared for roles? 
I think the first step is to ensure that the person can actually do the job they're doing today. So you bring someone in and you recognize the fact that they're new to the company, new to the organization. So some roles require some additional training. Some roles are about learning from someone who's been on the job before. So it's about you have to discern, is it formal training they need or is it on-the-job training? Once a person is comfortable in the job they're doing, then, of course, you start to make plans for their future. And some of those features will include that those plans will include uh, formal training. But um, I think it's really important that as individuals in a company, we take responsibility for some of that training as well um, and development. So, for instance, I really believe in mentoring. When you're assigned a mentor, you have the responsibility to sustain the mentoring relationship. You have to make sure the appointments are booked. You have to make sure you, you, you follow up. You may have to make sure that, for instance, every mentee I have, I give them homework after every session. So you wow. have to come back with the homework. And then it's practical homework. It's about how you're developing as a leader on the job, and in my case. And people teach different things through mentoring. But people have to take responsibility and understand that learning is not only in a, in a classroom but actually being faced with new tasks, new requests in the workplace, things that you didn't know before so for instance, um, a lot of the young people who do data analytics um, had, been used to be, do, had been used to doing data analytics in one way in, in our company and a few of them came to me themselves and says, you know, we have a surprise for you, we want to show you something and basically they had taken the time to learn about big data on their own big data actually requires a, deg- a degree of coding, it's a different way of analyzing um, data, but they're taking the time themselves to learn how to do big data. I said, how long did it take you to learn this? He said, three weeks. We learned together. And they've, they've delivered it. Now, I've left with an impression, obviously, I'm left with an impression that these are people who are really serious about their future. If there's a queue of who's going to get you know, more training in future, I'm, I'm telling you that they're, they're the head of that queue. So you're saying that for these people who took initiative and then develop solutions that you can see the company benefiting from, you will put them in that's your little green book. Because they've demonstrated, yes, they right. they they continue to demonstrate the self motivation I, I speak about because they know that this skill that they I don't know how to do big data right so they know they they've shown me something I don't know, but I also know that these are people who when you add more to what they know they'll make. You know, more of it, they'll, they'll continue to, to grow and develop. So you do have to position yourself, even within a company, to be prioritized if you really want to get ahead. Forgive me, but let me stay with this issue of people taking responsibility for their own learning. Because I meet people who tell me, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not being given opportunity in my firm. I mean, nobody recognizes what I do. Nobody's, nobody's seeing me. I'm not getting opportunity. But you are saying that even when it doesn't look like anybody's is is pointing in your direction you can by your own actions catch the attention of decision makers by taking initiative Absolutely. I mean, they, I, I, on this example I, I give you, for instance, these young people, they, they don't report to me. They have, But they knew uh, this, knowing the way I think, they, kn- they knew that this is something that would be of interest to me, mm-hmm. right? So you can get yourself noticed right. in a beneficial way to yourself and to the organization, which is really important because th- think about it. You're one of hundreds of people. Right. Do you want to get noticed or not? Do you want to get ahead? It's, it's, it's ultimately a pyramid, right? So you want to demonstrate that your motivation is real. That's not to say that I'm not absolving companies of the responsibility to train and develop people, but we're talking about people going up the ladder. Right. right? So it's in the context of making progress that you need to allow yourself to stand out Fantastic. from the rest of the crowd. Let me borrow the words of Professor Linda Hill of Harvard Business School, who 
talking about you talked about mentoring and talked about the fact that you actually give homework and and I smile because some people hate homework and some people don't like being stretched in areas that they are unfamiliar with or that they don't they don't want to go in and they find that, that sometimes the mentor is a bit too too tough for them and so they complain or they pull out or they 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 don't give attention to the mentoring process or they try to define that process to suit their own preferences. Now, Linda Hill of Harvard Business School said um, it, the, the day the mentee tries to define the, the basis of en- or the rules of engagement, the mentoring relationship is dead. So you, you said that the mentee must, must ch- do the chasing, book the appointments, chase the mentor as it were. She just added that the day the mentee expects that the mentor should do the reverse, it's, that, that's the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, the me- your mentor is normally someone who has more experience than right. you. They have more responsibility. They don't, they don't need you. So, <laughs> so in the grand scheme of things, they have a lot of things competing needs, right? right? You have to make sure that your, your voice is heard. And, now, I strongly believe in mentoring because I have been mentored for decades. I absolutely know firsthand the benefit of mentoring. And I, I believe that everyone should not just randomly say, I want you to mentor me. A mentor is normally someone who's been on a journey or is at a pl- point in their career that you want to get to or you want, think you can learn from. Make sure that time is wisely spent. And that's why the homework is crucial because it amplifies the learning. If you can do some of the work, while and in my case, it's normally connected to your day job. Um, how you manage your team or how you interact. You know, something that I'm picking up from speaking to you where you could probably practice. Because when you get people to go and try something practically and they come back and you start to discuss it, they see what went well, what didn't go so well, and then your input to them makes more sense in the context of what they're doing. Do you deliberately rough them up a little to see how committed they are? Absolutely. You know, there's, Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a biblical basis for that. Let me give you some comfort so you don't think that you're a wicked person. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> if, you went to, if you went into the scriptures, which I know you are quite familiar yes. with, you'll find that in the book of First Kings chapter 19, um, verse 19, when Elijah was calling Elisha, he deliberately roughed him up to see whether he will survive the, the persecution and the difficulties that he will face on the journey. Because he knew that it would be a very tough walk until he eventually left him and then handed over to him. So he, the, at the very first meeting, Elijah deliberately roughed him up. And somehow Elijah was very committed. And so he refused to be discouraged and then ultimately got what he wanted. But you make a very interesting point there. Let me Absolutely. settle on the main discussion we are trying to have tonight about developing leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and the question that I asked you earlier, somebody made a comment, what if you develop them and they leave? And then the, the other response was, what if, you, what if you don't develop them <laughs> and they stay? Can you comment on this point very briefly? You know, you will have, um, in any organization, right, people will leave. I haven't worked at one company my entire life. Um, very few people do their entire life. So people will leave. The question, the real question you should ask yourself is, am I de- developing a large enough cohort of leaders mm-hmm that ensure that my entire company is being led well at all levels, not just at my level, but at every single level? And also, am I creating an environment where they will continue to thrive and so not want to leave? So you also want to not force them, but create an environment that they don't want to leave. So it's two things. 
one, developing enough people, yes. and two, creating the right environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. 31 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. This is Springboard, your virtual university. We are building up to the Festival of Ideas 2017. It is 18 days more to go. I'm excited about that big gathering of of both CEOs and then prospective CEOs. What makes it exciting for, for me is that this is the 11th edition, and we've literally seen people come into this festival as beginners and then see them go on to become CEOs. And so you know it is possible. And so just seeing the the, the evolution is quite an amazing journey and an amazing um, experience. And so I, I, I'm looking forward to the festival because this subject that we are treating, I mean, look at even the response of companies saying, listen, we are coming in our numbers. It's because Many people recognize that this is a critical subject at this point in their journeys. Let me take you to a couple of things that I would like you to comment on and what role they play in the developmental process. And so from a perspective of a CEO of a company, what role would you say motivation plays? I mean, let's do some quick snapshots. (laughs) What role does motivation play? Um, probably one of the most fundamental primary requirements of, of you know, being successful in a company, but also um, succession planning. People won't have to want to be in your company, but they have to want to also go up the ladder. They have to want to do your job. Mm -hmm. Um, You absolutely need people to want to do your job. If you're running a company and nobody wants your job, you have a big problem. Doesn't this scare you? Not at all. So, Not at all, because you see, the leaders in your company, because they're all leaders, right? Even someone who reports you, even a few levels down. A leader who wants to be like you means that they're going to have to raise their game, right. demonstrate that they can operate at your level, which means given their current level, they will potentially operate at a higher level level than that. That's a huge benefit to business. Imagine you went to church on a Sunday morning, just happened to sit next to your staff who didn't know you were still there, and during the prayer time, you heard a person say, Father, in the next three years, give me the seed, the MD job, and they are praying to God. Uh, what would you do? <laughs> I would I would applaud them and actually really? give them a hug. You know, a few years ago in one of my two companies ago, not not my last, my previous company, um, this was probably two thousand and nine or, 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 or ten. I was working for the head of Africa for my co- uh, my company. So um, he was the CEO of the, all our business in Africa. He asked me, you know, what do you want to be doing in five years? I said, I want your job. He didn't fire you. No. Why? He was so excited. Right. He says, you, you, that, and that's the thing about leadership. You want to be, you want to plan for successes, but you want successes to feel that you are comfortable with them wanting to make progress. And he was really happy. And to, to be honest, he, he continues to write to me um, an engagement. But you have to get people who want to get there and allow them to demonstrate that they want to get there. So our subject is developing leaders <laughs> around you. And you're saying, Lucy, that if you want to become school if you want to become MD, if you want to become CEO, if you want to become top management, one of the attributes is that you must be somebody who develops other people. When I was in school, I had a friend who was fond of doing something that we talk about till today when we meet as old, old school students. He, he used to learn and cover his work. I mean, <laughs> while some of, us, some of us who felt we didn't do everything, we'll go for discussion groups. This particular friend will literally be learning like this. 
covering it so that if you are passing, you will not see the poor that or whatever it is that he's learning that he thinks he's gotten so right. The, the, the flip side of it was also that if he was learning something that was wrong. He wouldn't know that was wrong, right? <laughs> he would know it alone. <laughs> Interestingly, I mean, his results were not too good. And, 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 and so he just taught me a lesson about sharing because the, the world seems to be big enough for all of us to rise. It's more than big enough to, for all of us. And I think one of the things um, business leaders in particular need to um, get out of their system is that we don't need to be the only person in the room who knows everything. You know, in that room in which you're um, operating, if you're the person who knows about everything, there's a big problem. I always say to people who, especially people who are uh, in very functional roles, that on any given day, I expect that you know your job better than I know it. Because that's how you, you, you succeed. The team has to be complementary. It has to be diverse. People should be able to bring expertise to the table. If one person knows everything and can cover the sheet and determine who, who gets, you know, part of it and who doesn't, then we have a huge problem. Let's talk about delegation, giving people jobs to do. I mean, Lucy, let's be honest. There are people that when you give them jobs to do, you can go to sleep and you are very comfortable. I was talking to Janet, my, my sister-in-law. She was talking about an experience that she had, and she says, they, they, you give somebody a job to do, and you come and meet the, even the environment where the person is working, and you see, do they understand what they are doing? So let me ask you a question. If you, if you, there are people that give jobs to you, you know, you can literally go to bed and you know it's done. Yes. But there are people that even when they say they will do it, you are you are panicking because you can't tell, you can't tell whether they will deliver it because from experience you've had your fingers bent. What do you do? I think you have to um, create room for the possibility that the person could make the mistake of not delivering, and teach them. So you you have to get to know everybody, especially people who work closest with you. Get to know them individually. And if delivery is one of their issues, then you have to help them address it. If you try and it doesn't work out, then you learn your lesson of who to delegate to and who not to delegate to. And again, I, I draw a lot of my leadership engagement with people from my own journey and my own experience. And I remember one of my very earliest jobs, gosh, probably about two decades ago almost or at least a decade and a half you know I had to deliver a project and it was due on a Friday and I probably knew by Wednesday it wasn't going to happen right so things hadn't worked out and I remember so clearly my boss at the time Marco I got to Friday and I went to him I said I'm really sorry it didn't work of course I was a young school leader I thought it was okay to just tell the boss didn't happen and I never forget what he told me he said you know you should have told me as soon as you knew it wasn't going to happen on Friday, whichever day that was. Because now what you've done is that you've taken away from me the possibility of rearranging, well, mitigating, right. whatever I need, I could have done. You've taken the power away from me. Right. Right? So it's very important that when you delegate, to, and then he gave me the chance to make that mistake, which I've never forgotten. But once you've made that mistake, you have to be able to, you have to demonstrate that you're somebody that can be relied upon for delegation. As a business leader, I have to delegate to allow other people to grow, sometimes make a mistake, but steer them, you know, appropriately so that they can also have the chance to go further in their career because they saw what it was like not to deliver when, when delegated to. In your scheme of things, do you have something like a marketing scheme? Do you have something like a record, written or unwritten, of people that are trustworthy, reliable, dependable, that you say, listen, if this job is critical, this person is the person to go to? And there are people, do you also have people that are saying, 
if they don't they, they don't step up their game, they are unlikely to get much more opportunity from me. You know, yes, and I think that particularly the second part when when you talk about people who um, can't be relied upon, I we tend not to work together for very long. And I think it's part of leadership as well that you should be able to discern and have honest conversations um, with people. One of my previous companies called them difficult conversations. Right. When it's not working out and the person can't, can't cut it, you need to be able to tell them. And sometimes they're just in the wrong place and there's somewhere else that they can be. You know, you can help them actually identify that and, and move on. But most importantly, for every single job, I tend to know who can be relied upon. And I don't... Um, assume that one person can fulfill every single um, task, but I know for various things who is my absolute go-to person who will deliver hands down. I don't even need to think about it. Right. I'm going to open the phone lines along the line to get people to get a chance to ask you a question. I, I, I'm looking for people tonight who just say, I want to be a top business leader. I want to become a CEO. I want a young lady who says, just listening to Lucy, I see possibility of also becoming becoming the next Lucy Crystal, becoming the next myself, doing even more than what Lucy has done. I want somebody who's to say, listen, the barriers that you broke to be able to get to the top, I can break them too if somebody gives me a chance. Listen, those are the only people I want to, I want to call in tonight. <laughs> if you want to get to the top and you want to ask, how do I get there? I'm going to open the phone lines in exactly five minutes for you to talk to, to Lucy Quist, the managing director of Airtel, and then ask her what barriers she had to break through, what challenges she had to overcome, how did she deal with the challenges you are facing today so that we can get some help for you because that's exactly why she is here today. And if you want to know why we are, why this whole build-up, we are building up to the Festival of Ideas, Ghana's foremost business conference, and that is on the Thursday, the 17th of of. August, the morning session participants are different from the evening session participants. It's not like do morning, do evening. No, the morning runs from 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. and then it closes. It closes with lunch. And then after that, the evening participants also come at 5 and they also have dinner and then they run to till 9. So you can come for the morning if you, the target for the morning is people who are aiming at becoming top management within the next decade and so it's about grooming them for that if you want help you say i want to be but i don't know how to be that is a session for you the morning session you are working towards becoming ceo or becoming top management the evening is for the ceos themselves the directors the board members top management to gather and brainstorm about building transgenerational organizations what does it take to build capacity across board my guest for tonight lucy quist the managing director of Airtel and also a previous speaker in the Festival of Ideas. She'll be speaking this year on developing leaders around you. What I've learned so far from Lucy, and she brings the point very succinctly with the example of the village, two village chiefs who did things differently and the consequences of their actions. She also talks about identifying your successor's successor so that at every point in time you are building a pipeline of leaders. And she says beyond identifying people, there must also be a developmental gap analysis to, to find out what, what gaps there are, what learning gaps, and how to mitigate them or how to bridge those gaps. She says that during recruitment, the company starts by even clarifying its vision and where it's trying to go, and that informs on what kinds of people that are employed. And employment must not be for only qualification or experience, but also for fit. How do they fit into the company? That means you can be good, you can be very qualified, you can be very experienced, but you may not fit the company. 
And then for grooming, she says there are two arms. There is the formal training that a person may go for, and there is also the informal training, shadowing, mentoring that may be provided for a person. And then very importantly, on the issue of retention, she gives two prescriptions. First of all, develop a large enough cohort of leaders all around you in the business. And then secondly, create an environment that makes people want to stay. Don't think that you can let them stay by a question. Just create that right environment and they will be there. Let me take a few questions that have come up, come up on, on, on Facebook. Right, so... Hey, somebody's asking about Airtel data. Sure. <laughs> 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 All right, Makafuli Nicholas says, I'm privileged to be watching live. I started business with a friend and we faced difficulties along the journey. Um, two years down the line, I attribute the cause of our failure to lack of mentoring. So the issue of mentoring has come up um, again. And then Samson Darko says, Kelly asked Lucy about strict KPIs. Strict KPIs. Let me let me let's address those two, and then we'll come down to that issue about what makes the difference between those who make it and those who don't make it. But okay. let's talk about strict KPIs first. Strict KPI. So it's it's as a company, right? You have to define your goals. Right. What are you What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to deliver? So the KPIs start from the very top. That the company company is clear on measurable. Um, outcomes that it's looking for and once you have those measurable KPIs then that has to trickle down the entire organization in the sense that your KPIs at the very top will not be the KPIs for every single person but if I if I to make it a bit more concrete if I have KPIs on how I for instance how much revenue you want to make then the teams who the functions that are responsible for revenues have that clear clear KPI if you want to have a certain service level say call center then the people who manage the call center have those KPIs so you break it down so that you create alignment of KPIs across mm. the organization Everybody has their version relevant to their job. But when it's linked up, it becomes a big Exactly. Chain. It all adds up to what the company wants to achieve. And for the benefit of our listeners, KPIs are key performance indicators. Yes, they are key, key performance indicators. Some um, um, companies use KRAs. They're different names that they use, but all for ultimately it is about measurable performance. Right. How to measure performance. Right. Let's speak to... Macbeth McAfee, he talks about the fact that their business failed because of lack of mentoring. I know you've addressed it already, but um, speak to McAfee uh, for our benefit. Um, I think, first of all, you know, I thank him for this question because he's highlighting something that uh, many startups face, and he's had he has the, the, the self awareness to actually recognize this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it's it's imperative, especially when you start a business. And perhaps you haven't had as much business experience yourself that you, you, you're mentored by someone who can help guide the process. It's not to say that if you're left on your own, you wouldn't eventually learn the lessons. But it's a high price to pay if someone else Indeed. could guide you Indeed. and avoid some of the pitfalls or, along the way. So I think mentoring is key, especially for young startups. They have bright ideas. Uh, and I really love the fact that we have so many young people uh, setting up things be- based on their ideas. But running an organization is very different 
from a bright idea that you come up with yourself. So right. mentoring will help you hopefully bridge some of the gap between organizational um, requirements and you know uh, requirements of ideation. Right. Let me give you my biggest question tonight. Very, very big question. Everybody listening tonight, give us your undivided attention because this question is big. <laughs> so, Lucy, I want to find out from you. This is a very a question very dear to my heart because you can find two to come out with the same university, with the same degree, the same experience enter an organization at the same time and then within five years one is on the fast track link to the, the top and the other one is wondering what went wrong. Now I'm not saying that it just means that that person was bad but I'm just asking you from your experience and from observation what ultimately creates the distinction between the regular person, the regular manager, the regular staff and then those who ultimately make it all the way to the top as CEOs, ex-schools, Top executives, what is the distinguishing factor in your opinion? Well, I'm basing this on myself and a few people I, I hold in high regard and, and respect a lot. I think vision and purpose are ultimately what gets you there because there's so many other factors in between. But ultimately, if you have a vision of where you want to get to, what happens is that you develop all the other other things that are required. So vision and purpose leads you, guides you. In my case, that vision and purpose leans heavily on my faith as, as a Christian, wanting to see uh, people prosper in our country and on our continent. So I see be doing well at work as an opportunity to be part of, of, of making that happen. So that's your big picture. That's my big picture. But then you have to, then when you have that big picture in mind, you're able to deal with, particularly the hardest things to deal with are the short-term quote-unquote um, hiccups the times when perhaps you're not even employed the times when you're sidelined the times when you move sideways the times when your 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 next job isn't isn't so much a promotion um it's probably sometimes a demotion mm. and that happens but if you can see the overall trajectory going upwards then the knocks and the ups and downs you keep thinking okay I am, and my husband's favorite phrase to me is eye on the prize he always tells me you know keep your eye, eyes on where you're going keep your eyes there don't look anywhere else keep going um i think that is it these people are purpose driven there's something driving them more than did i get paid last month or did will i get paid this month and you know those are the everyday things it's, it's having a big picture purpose in mind and saying i'm going there no matter what it is 11 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard of Virtual Investing. My guest for tonight, Lucy Quist, is the Managing Director of Airtel. Help me understand the subject of developing leaders around you as we build up to the Festival of Ideas. I know you have loads of questions about the festival, but you can direct those questions to 24 after the show, and Matthew will be very happy to give you all the information you require about the Festival of Ideas. Just ask him to send you the online brochure or just to send you the, 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 the PDF brochure. It will give you everything you need to make a decision about the Festival of Ideas. But tonight, I want to open the phone lines very briefly for prospective CEOs, people who want to be top executives only to call into the show. Call and find out what it takes to get to the top. Call and ask about a mistake you are making that you think you need help with. I would like to hear that kind of question. And Lucy will give you her, her time and her wisdom as you try to solve it. The number to call 030-221-6541. If you want to be CEO in the next 10 years, if you want to be a top executive, call into the show 030-221-6541. Call into the show and ask Lucy 
the questions you might have about getting to the top, the barriers you are facing, if you need help. You see, I'm climbing the, 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 the mountain, but it is too steep. It has always been this steep, or is my case. Call into the show. Let's talk. 030-221-6541. I have a call on the line. Somebody just literally ran to the phone line and called. Hello, good evening. Hello, Hi. Good evening. Your name, where are you calling from, please? question um, bits and pieces that I managed to hear. You're saying that you run a kind of enterprise and you, you leave things or put to get, get them done and they don't do them. You want to find out how to get them to do things when you're away. Is that correct? Yes, please. Uh, your name, please. MFA. MFA. Okay, MFA. Um, let's hear from Lucy. Maybe let me just hold MFA's question and take a couple more and then we'll come back and answer them. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Your name, where are you calling from, please? My name is Kwesi all right, could you see your question, please? Wait, I want to ask Lucy. Um, I had the opportunity of listening to her. Um, she, I think she worked outside the telecoms industry, but then she came into the telecom industry. She did so well. just want to find out how she was able to transform her uh, background and knowledge and succeed so well in this industry that's very competitive. And then the second part is I would want to find out if it's possible she can provide me personal mentorship. I'm in banking. All right, thank you very much, Kwesi. I'll take the last question, and that would come from... Um, hello, good evening. Hello. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Your name, where are you calling from, please? My name is Emmanuel. I'm calling from Slovenia. Emmanuel, go ahead with the question or contribution, please. Yes, I want to find out from Lucy. Um, I am an entrepreneur, you know, by nature, and I've been trying to do my own. been very hard. One of the qualities that she thinks... Someone like you will need to be able to tell me the money. Thank you very much. All right. So I have. Yes, yes, yes. People are giving you. You see, you give people homework. Now they're giving you difficult, difficult questions. All right. So let's. I deliver this homework. So started with MFA. MFA. Who wants to delegate successfully? What would you be advised to? MFA. Um. I hope it's something you do already. But if you're doing already, then do more consequence management. You know, they have to. I talked earlier about helping people um, to recognize that they have to deliver, show them that when you depend on them, these are the. But once you've been through that um, cycle of giving people opportunity and training them, there have to be consequences for non delivery. Right. So have that difficult conversation. It's a difficult conversation, right. but there have to be consequences. If people get away with every time you know, they don't deliver and they say, I'm really sorry and it, it's okay, it's not okay. Um, and your business is at risk if you keep allowing people who won't deliver to um, you know, hang around your business. It's a tough conversation, but you have to have it. And it's part of business leadership. It's not always fun and games. It's not always a, a beautiful, broad smile. Sometimes it's a, a straight face and a tough word. Right. That's part I, of it. Emmanuel wants to know entrepreneurial qualities. You mentioned vision and purpose. Any other one? Um, vision and entrepreneurial, vision and purpose. Um, so 
the, the ultimate thing is that for an entrepreneur, you have to decide what value are you creating. Right. So this is this ties into the vision and purpose right. because to truly call yourself an entrepreneur, you have to be solving some kind of problem. Right. So your like point of distinction. Yeah, there has to be something. If you're just buying some goods to sell or you're doing something uh, just because it's something to do, that's not quite being an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur either develops um, a new product, a new service, a new process. There's something you bring to bear hmm. that is needed. Um, and that's the key to be truly entrepreneurial. Um, and then once you have identified that purpose, that thing that's driving you, you have to be um, someone who is willing to learn a lot. Because if you've come up with something new, um, you know, we talk about all these tech entrepreneurs who, who come up. Well, you know, I use the Facebook example. When Facebook did their IPO, they, they, they recognized that mobile was a big platform. They hadn't invested enough in mobile. So they went back and learned and said, how do we do mobile well? The point is that you have to be able to learn on that entrepreneurial journey. And sometimes it can be something as simple as journaling. You make notes every day of what you've learned in the day, what went well, what didn't go well. How do I fix it? If I can't fix it, can I find someone who can help me actually fix fix what I uh, what I need to know? And I think the last one was from Kwesi who talked about um, transforming yourself from industry, industry to industry. Um, I think that as a business leader. The first thing you need to develop is one area of core competence. There has right. to be something you're very good at. It may be engineering, you may be a lawyer, you may be you, it's so many, but you need an area of core competence because that every profession has certain norms and rules. You meet an engineer, they think a certain way. You meet a lawyer, they think a certain way. But ultimately, that specialization gives you the norms and structures. Then, when because you want to lead an organization, you need to become a little bit broader and more general to understand different functions. And once you have these two things in hand, when you go into a different industry, it doesn't take you very long to learn the industry. Then you can bring your competence and your skills as a leader to bear. You learn the industry and then you bring you know, those transferable skills of leadership across. And I right. think that's what you know ultimately pays off from industry to industry. Two quick ones from Facebook. You mentioned Facebook. So let me give you two quick questions <laughs> from Facebook. The first is from Bernard who says, isn't it the case that having been exposed abroad gave you some kind of advantage? Bernard is asking. Bernard, I think uh, being exposed abroad gave me opportunity that I took advantage of. Uh, I, I did a TED Talk last year, and one of the things I talked about, that actually the thing that I, I realized has driven me more than anything was experiencing the hardship of Ghana in the 1980s. Mm. That is what actually is. You know when in life somebody says something is chasing you, something right. is giving, making you run. It is that experience of Ghana in the 80s and how hard it was is what reminds me every day that there's more work to be done. Abroad is just about opportunity and some people will take it, some people won't. And you can find opportunity wherever you are. Bright is working in the public sector. He says it's, it's old school, it's slow. How does he groom himself to be able to operate in the industry environment? Final question. Ah, um, that's a really good one. In the more, in a less formal setting, I'm sure he has friends in the in the uh, corporate sector, so he can engage them and learn a bit from them. Um, but ultimately, he, if he really wants to move across, I think he should find a role in the corporate sector. Sometimes, remember what I said, it may mean a demotion, a sideways move. But what is the prize you're going for? Mm. Take mm. it, because in the grand scheme of things, you have many more years of work ahead of you. 
I have many, many questions, but I have only 90 seconds left. <laughs> Lucy, it's been an absolutely thrilling experience having this discussion with you, and I always learn something when you come into the studio. Um, before I give you a chance to wrap up in 30 seconds, let me just say that coming up next is a work with Jesus, and the discussion is about recovering from infidelity, and the host is my brother, Pastor Atu Akwai, and I'm sure you will find this discussion very helpful. Lucy, 30 seconds, what can we take away from this? Why should we be at the Festival of Ideas? Because we need to create businesses that transcend generations and geographies. Our businesses have to become huge so that they will serve people across the world and and go from one generation to the next because that's how we will become more prosperous that's how our our futures will be will be better and if we don't have leaders who can do that then we're not going to get very far so come along and let's be part of this journey together grooming and growing our future generations of leaders for for, for this great country i want to say a big thank you on behalf of comfort matthew amos and myself Thank you for having me. And right. thank you to everyone who tuned in. All right. So until we come away again next week, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. This has been Springboard, your virtual university. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed. Searching.